conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media, and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Row. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roe.co slash andysgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andysgirls. Sign up today. I just came back from the salon, and for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. (laughs) Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time (laughs) with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells unbelievable. Believable. Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. Knowing your business is a full-time job and I deserve overtime. They always say not to push the envelope. What they don't always say is, I'm allergic to adhesive. Oh! <laughs> that's, all I, that's all I got for you. No way. I'm super into it. Can I just say, 
I've never done this in 214 episodes, but as it was coming out of my mouth, I was like, wait, why didn't I say knowing your business is a full-time job and I deserve a raise? Yeah. That would have been so much better. Guys, everybody. I like it. Do you want to go back and redo it again? No, it's fine. You just said it, actually. I like the way you delivered it. Yeah. Thank you. Guys, just erase the first one from your minds and just embrace, <laughs> much like the Oscars, sometimes we need a redo. You know oh what I'm God. saying? I don't know what you're talking ending. about. What Oscars? They didn't happen. <laughs> It didn't happen, but this definitely is. You guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode 214, and I'm so excited to have a new guest on the People's People's Couch. You know him as an actor, a writer, a producer, co-host of Andy Cohen Live, and host of The Feels on Radio Andy. Everybody welcome John Hill. Yeah. Giving myself a round of applause. (laughs) I'll take it. Oh, you guys, calm down. It's just me. Keep going. Oh my God, little Thank you for having me. I, oh my God, no, I am so excited to have you. I have to say to the AGs, I've said this to John, but we have a mutual. We have actually several mutual friends in common, including Ben Rimmelauer, who I saw in a play with you, a performance, oh, an God. adventure, an event <laughs> at the Duplex a couple of years ago. And I was like, what the fuck is the name of it? It was so funny. I was screaming the entire time. It was genuinely John Hill, like genuinely so good. And I texted Ben a couple minutes ago. I was like, what was the name of that? Because he remembers that I was obsessed with it. I was like, what's the name of that play? And he went, oh, it was Octobottom. No, it wasn't. He got it wrong. He did get it wrong. (laughs) He always does this. See, Octobottom was a better name. We were in my apartment and he was like, (laughs) I kept saying like, I need to tell we just we were gonna do a show and I was like, okay, we don't know what it is and that's fine. We will figure out what it is. But what I do need, they're asking me for, and that is a title and some sort of photo. We were in my apartment here in LA and he was like, I, I was just like, give me a title, anything. Cause we still didn't, he was like, Octobottom. And I was like, fine, great. I didn't know what it meant. I still don't know what it means. I feel like I have a feeling. <laughs> sometimes I'm not good at processing very easy to understand concepts I do not know what octobottom could possibly mean I really don't just like a the bottom eight days a week I have no idea I it's a little bit of like a big Thursday energy I would say for octobottom what's that octobottom no what's big Thursday energy you know how like Thursday a lot of people you know like Thursday is the new Saturday or pre-COVID where people got their mess on on Thursday nights. No. Is that a thing? Wait, I cannot explain <laughs> Octavato to you. That feels inappropriate to me. No, it's, it's fine. I, I I don't know a whole lot. I It's not that I'm not a slut, but I am somewhat of a naive prude sometimes, but not. I love But that. sometimes I don't know. Wait, what is a Thursday night? It's people do it a lot on Thursdays. Well, no, I was just making a, a joke um, <laughs> that, you know, like Thursday is like the new whatever. I love that. It's like the day of the week. But Octa, you know, Octobot, you know, you're you're having a party. You're inviting several people over oh. to dance. You know what I'm saying? Right. But are they all bottom? I don't. I mean, <laughs> I would have to. Yeah, I just don't the know the mechanics ben, of that because you have eight <laughs> bottoms over. I don't. I mean, gonna, Ben would know. You're going to really ask have ben. your work cut out for you if you have I know, eight bottoms around the other way a... makes more sense octatopoms oh well maybe that'll be the sequel the sequel maybe okay anyway be... thank you for coming to that show it is <laughs> i as i told you i believe 
over DMs. I I am not. Uh, I have not processed the trauma of that performance, but I'm glad you were there because it really was a one time, a once in a lifetime event. We did, however, do Off to Bottom here in LA, and it was a much higher quality of a show. Probably not as entertaining, but a mu- I, I stand by Octobottom LA. Well, he told me that the actual name for the show that I saw was Two Hand Job. It's Two Hand Job. That I understand. <laughs> that makes sense to me. That I can picture. <laughs> and the show for the people who didn't have a chance to experience this theatrical delight was Yes, about paint you. the scene for these lucky folks. Set <laughs> this beautiful scene. It's upstairs at the duplex, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you think about that name. But um, mm. yeah, upstairs at the duplex. And you walk in and, and what happens? Uh-huh. Wow. And it was like, a, it was, I could be completely fucking this up, but it was about you, re, it was like you're the first time you were reading your memoir of your time in life, right? Is that the correct, would that be the correct way oh, to describe sh- it? Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Maybe you're right. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Well, look, the shows were kind of similar in content, even though the titles were Octobottom and Two Hand Job. But let's think about it. So actually, this is boring for people. Anyway, the show was amazing. I'm so glad you thought it was talented. Thank you. I now want like a t-shirt that says Octobottom. I feel like there is some sort of Ben Rimlauer, if you're listening, merchandising opportunity. Like maybe throw it on a playbill and call it a day. I could see that selling. Well, speaking of the Oscars, since my octopus teacher did win an Oscar, maybe Octobottom has a future in documentaries. I haven't seen my octopus teacher. Okay. But well, look, I don't, I don't, it doesn't seem, is it good? Have you seen it? It. I don't care about someone's friendship with a fish or whatever. I don't know. Is it great? It's probably amazing. It's going to change. And I love the environment, you know, because I am living you on like, it. Or you like the, you're living on the environment. I, well, how do I say this? I've seen it twice. I oh, love God. the octopus teacher. And oh, I looked God. as I, no, no, no. I, but I also don't care. I mean, kill it. I don't care. But like, I don't really care about the environment either. But I really like a movie that will, about it. It's like when you watch, when your friend sends you like a video of like a dog that has a wheelchair and back legs and you're like, oh my God. And it's like, you know, yes. easy. I'm an easy target for like heartstrings kind of movies. And I, I get it. He was a freak. He went into the ocean all day long. <clears throat> Excuse me. My tea is quite. Uh, itchy I, I don't know it's good yeah some people really hate it they're like I can't believe this Oscars is so terrible I'm like yeah it is and like well you know that I cannot believe a movie about an octopus one I'm like okay well think about the other movies that have won Oscars in the past it's not that crazy um yeah but yes one best picture so did crash these things are not yes. that great uh all the time I like the octopus teacher I will I will defend it if, if I must Defend it. Maybe you just convinced me. Maybe I am meant to. I mean, I'm a vegetarian, so technically I support the octopus community. Apologies to any octopus, octopi who are listening to this and feel offended. You just got canceled by the octopi community. It's it's it was meant to happen, I feel like. And, you know, octopus, octobottom, there's a whole lot happening today. So all eight parts of somebody's personality, if they feel. Thank you for coming to see our show. I love that you came (laughs) and I love that you liked it. And I like that you think it was funny because I don't know. You know who else who else was there that night? Andy. Did you see Andy there? 
Oh, wasn't it? Was it a two show night? I think it he was came to the earlier show and I came to the later one. Oh, then you really saw a doozy. Were the Smith sisters there? Well, I die for the Smith sisters. I didn't know uh, Lauren and Mariah at that point, but I'm now. And um, Rachel, they all three with... were there. Oh, I don't know Rachel. Oh, I missed. Yeah. If had they been there, I wouldn't have um, yeah. have known them. They were that, there I mean, and they laughed a lot. Um, there are certain people when you're up on stage, you can you, you can hear your friends laughing. And mm -hmm. I heard them laughing. I heard Andy and Bruce laughing. I, I, I'm sure I heard you laughing. It sounds like you really had a great time. Yeah, I have. And it was such a great show. It's so funny, I couldn't remember the name of it. And, uh, but yeah, they were there. Brian Lord and Bruce were there. Oh my God. I and Sanji Jenkins. Yeah, it was, a, that was an epic night. It was two shows and definitely that was a lot. I love that you came. I love that you're familiar with my work in the downtown Your cabaret oeuvre. circuit. My <laughs> and I love Ben Remelauer to the end of days. Yes. He is a delight. He's got that wonderful manic energy that mm -hmm. sometimes we just need a little kick of. Yeah. We have a little bit, a little bit of a, little bit of a Ben. Did you know, a bet? Did you know, uh, did you know him before or after or during? I mean, I guess you knew during, but um, the Countess Luann days. Uh, he announced he was going to be working with Luann on Andy's Girls. Shit. It was the first time he said. Breaking he, like, news. Had, it was a break. It was the first time he ever discussed it. And I was like, oh, my God, that is unexpected. So Ben, yeah, like said, he had some sort of announcement, announced it during Andy's Girls. And I thought this is very unexpected and I don't know how this is gonna go but I went to her very first performance in support of Ben and obviously because I want to be there the very first time this happens to watch history take place in whatever form oh and died for it I had where like was one the, of the first tables show it was at 54 below oh the first one was before. there mm -hmm. really she did a yeah she did a series there and then I forget where she went before they took it. You know, they went national. And All then the it road. became this huge thing until, as she will tell you every episode of New York, she is a cabaret star. <laughs> and, and, right. and and it was a thing until COVID, unfortunately. For... I was, right. I was one of the and friends one time. Oh, were you? I was an and friend. It was horrible. Right? I was terrible. Why do you say that it was, why do you say that you were terrible? Oh, uh, because I kind of had a different vibe of what was going to happen when you walk on stage. When I walked on stage, I was like, oh, you don't have a sense of humor. <laughs> I didn't understand that before I, I met her in person. Or she does. It's just not what I was expecting. Because to, to work in those kinds of shows, you kind of, sorry, did I, did I say something out of line? No, I was thinking. Oh, sorry of myself as an audience member <laughs> that the audience sucked. And I was like, I could totally see that if everybody is- No, I meant wrong, her. They... Oh yeah, no, she is not. She does not- Oh no, the audience is <laughs> amazing. The audience yeah, yeah, is yeah. amazing. That's not they the problem. They can be a little sloshed. The Lou audience sometimes is like way past turtle time, but the, time oh my the God. show begins. I but... can't believe you thought I meant the audience. No, I, I was living for the audience and my, I was like, well, this is mm -hmm. gonna be easy. But when I walked up there, I was like, oh, cause it was kind of like a banter moment with her. Oh. Love, and I was like, love, love. oh, and it, um, I just was taken aback. I didn't, it was, it wasn't that it wasn't funny. Let me rephrase. It was just like, I it's was not in on the joke. 
Not really. Not really. And Thank you. That yeah. is that is the inner conflict. You're not breaking news in this. I think it's <laughs> I an observation that I many know. of us feel that as soon as I like got it for a second, I thought you were going to say something. Really, absolutely. She is not in on the joke. It is yeah. something that her cast members have tried to remind her she ended a friendship with Barbara Kay for saying you're not Adele exactly. because Lou is like of course I'm not Adele but I am Barbara Streisand and don't forget it I mean she's like Lou with an L she, right. she does not she's that's the thing with her show is that like it is a it is a wonderful show yes. for a specific community and the best part of it is that she would have these wildly talented Broadway stars comedians come in as the you know and friends and then Lou would do her shtick and we people were screaming I was out of my chair yes that's the other thing is that it's not that that the show's not funny because the show is Mm -hmm. roll on the ground belly Mm -hmm. I screamed but it was different than having someone (laughs) be funny <laughs> with you or for you. I was, I definitely would, whatever, no comments on, she's like raking it in or used to be. And I was super into it. But I, when I interfaced with her for the first time in front of an audience, I was like, oh, this is gonna need to be a different vibe. And she was like, oh, well, hello. What, who are you? And I was like, oh shit, I cannot pretend to flirt with your ass right here. I cannot, I, we can't, I, you know, like, I asked Cheyenne Jackson to do it here in LA and he's better at that than me. Like, well, we'll flirt cause I'm the guy and you're the girl. And I was like, bitch, no, like we could do something else. But like, I'm not pretending to be like into you. You know, she's like, who's this handsome man? And I was like, oh no, <laughs> no, that's just not my shtick. But live for her and laugh really hard and live love for her. Grandma Lauer. Live for her, live for Ben. I also feel like that is an aspect of what it means to be a Bravo Leb because so much of what has made so many of these women famous specific to housewives is the sense of uh, a disconnection from reality, like an overinflated sense of ego, which we then celebrate in many yes. ways, even yeah. though so much of the conflict comes from this person being entirely disconnected from real life. And some of these women become humble during filming, either through a fight with someone or through, in Lou's case, some like very public <laughs> moment at a Christmas to remember, shall we say, in Palm Beach slash West Palm. And that can be humbling. And then because of the humbling, people celebrate you again, which disconnects you sometimes even more. Lou's an interesting example of that. Yeah, and when they sometimes become maybe humbled, they become, in some cases, boring and they leave the show. Yeah, or they become, (laughs) I mean, and then the humbling starts anew because, wait, where are all the people that were sliding into my DMs? Where is my Tuesday night at nine experience? Where is my sitting on the couch at Watch What Happens? Where's my monetization where Uh I was getting all this money to do all these ads, but it turns out a lot of these advertisers are really interested in someone who's currently and consistently on TV. That can humble you. And then maybe for a small amount of them, they get back in some way. And it's like the circle continues. Oh yeah. Where's my merch? Where'd it go? Where's my merch? You know, it goes away. There is something that I do, I find 
very funny and very consistent to this, which is Bravo announced today the official announcement of this like superstars, super yes. real housewives stars spinoff, which is I am very excited for it. It's going to come to Peacock at some point. I would probably say later this year from what I people word on the street is that people are talking and saying this is like the inception, the first time they're doing this and then it'll happen again and again. And, and that's the hope. That's at least what a lot of people in the Bravo community are hoping. But there were some rumors that that a housewife was going to make a surprise appearance. Well, I saw this someone, too. Yeah. And it, yeah. And it was someone who was like maybe an OG, maybe who people were thinking uh, should come back to the show, should come back to Housewives. And a lot of people were like LVP, but there's no way. I saw, Kyle's I read there. Jill Zarin. That's what I read. And then people were saying maybe Jill Zarin. And then Jill took to Instagram stories. It's like I rec- I, I saved for posterity a recording of it in my phone because I, I need to reflect on this if uh-huh. I get too big for my britches. But she was like with her sister and Lisa Waxler and like doing some Instagram story somewhere, I'm sure in like Westport, Connecticut, and said, you know, I'm here at dinner before on and she started the IG story by going, Hi, which oh. I mean, that's a dog whistle for people like me. Right. Who know, right. Who immediately right. instinctively go to Scary Island. And she said, I'm going on a little trip this week. Did she she did? She did, and a lot of accounts picked it up. And people like we were kind of pissed because I don't, I want to be surprised. You want the surprise? I I was surprised at that. I was actually surprised. I I was genuinely surprised at reading that. Do you think that will happen, first of all? That she'd be the one? Do I think that it's going to happen? I I think that if she is the one making the surprise, if she is the one that's being discussed, if this is happening, and she decided to do a wink to people, an obvious wink to people on IG. My hope is that it had nothing to do with this show. And maybe she was like doing a little right. sly, like getting attention. That is my hope. If she is, in fact, the person who was supposed to make a surprise, which now all of the women on the trip would know because they're being tagged and stuff. That to me is an example of someone who says that they have been humbled since coming on the show, who we all know want to come back. But it's like. Jill, this is why you can't have nice things like an uh, apple. Like you, you can't even, you can't even keep right. it to yourself. So I do believe it's possible, but I hope it's not just in the sense that if if this has been ruined, I'm going to be upset. When I read it, I thought they can't have more than what seven at first because of oh, COVID. Yeah, yeah. the house yeah. won't allow more than seven, and that they hope an eighth comes at some point during the season. I read it, and of course, I'm sure you did too. That they. Hope mm-hmm. an eighth can come because COVID restrictions lift and they can have eight. Not specifically, we're going to interrupt things with an eighth to throw things into a tizzy. Oh, I read I didn't it. See that. And oh, I could okay. be wrong. Oh my God, I am not the Bravo expert, no, but I, I read it because I, I had to read things for the news this morning uh, for the mm-hmm. show. I read it as I, I had to read it a few times. I was like, oh, wait, they're going to surprise everyone with an eighth person. Is that what they're saying? And then I was like, oh, they can't have any more because of seven. And then I read it again. And I was like, oh, they're saying they'll throw it. And I think it was both. I think they were saying, we'd love to, we're going to have eight hopefully later in the season because we can open it back up. But also, of course, they were saying, like, we'll have someone come in. And then the first name thrown out there was Jill Zarin. And at first I thought that's really on the nose. Of course, it would be amazing. 
And of course, it's someone showing up in an island unexpected. And who else would that be but her? And I think that if that was their plan, they would have said to her, under no circumstances, they would put an embargo, embargo on her and that she wouldn't, have, she, if she, it's kind of like, if you were to say anything, deals off. That's why I think you're right. I think that you're, um, I think, I think you're, I would side with you on that because it would then ruin the surprise because how great would the surprise be? If you just That's heard right. hi and it and these people are on a vacation because Scary Island is, you know, just the quintessential thing. You know, I hadn't seen that till a year and a half ago. I hadn't even seen it. I lied and said oh I had seen it, but I never had actually sat down and seen it. All through Watch What Happens Live, I was like, yeah, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. It's the most important trip in Housewives. I mean, season three of The Real Housewives of New York is to me the perfect season. It is yep. the ultimate season of Housewives of any franchise at any point in time. I took the time, I watched the whole thing, and now I was like, wow, you're so dumb. Why did you not watch all this before? It would have made your life so much easier <laughs> <laughs> through your years of Watch What Happens Live. Why did you not? Anyway, it doesn't matter. But I finally watched it. And then I understood people. I understood the entire situation with Jill. Mm -hmm. I understood Bethany better. I understood... Mm -hmm. I, I never fully, I had known Kelly Ben Simone from not the show. I knew her through out being out and about. And I was like, oh, I just don't understand why she's popping for people. And I was like, oh, that's why, because, because of all, because she's out of her mind. I saw her jogging on the street or whatever in the show, but I hadn't, I didn't really understand. And Sonia, yeah. sorry, you guys are you've mm -hmm. all seen this many times. No, I love this. Continue. What about Sonia? Um, I guess I was, this is, uh, I was talking to my friend David, like, kind of like she was trying out which what role she was kind of gonna play you know mm -hmm. like oh I'll be the like socialite thing mm -hmm. and oh my god so sorry how do I block my phone calls on this laptop um I don't can, know, but I love it I the love thing it. With, the thing with Sonia like she hadn't become the erratic dumpster fire yet and almost like, by the way, she's my favorite housewife. And I do think in certain no, lights, we look it's, alike. You can get a little manic. Oh, I could see it too. Yeah. We literally look, if you catch us in the right, um, like, and like, if you're in traffic and the brake lights are hitting you just right, we look identical. But um, Sonia, Sonia's someone who went from zero to a thousand and, and yes. she, it took her a second to recalibrate, which we saw during season four. By so the way, Dumpster Fire is a, a compliment. That is a massive compliment. Um, yeah. So yeah. like she didn't go, she was kind of like trying to play like a classy grand dom eccentric Manhattan night, but then she went mm -hmm. to, you know, full fledged mess to a certain mm -hmm. degree. And, um, but in that season I was like, oh, she's trying this on. And she was a friend and she was like, oh, this is Sonia, this like class act. And she is a class act. It was just a different vibe from later in the season. Later seasons. I mean, um, Sonia being like, you ruined my manicure pedicure. There is no more mm -hmm. iconic a response when talking about Scary Island. And it's interesting that we're talking about Scary Island because Kelly <laughs> put up like a 20, <laughs> 25 minute video this week. I didn't watch it. I fully support her in her journey um, where she didn't refer to any of her cast members by name, but she said, to put to bed like one of those weird YouTube influencer videos of like the streets are talking like I, oh, I need God. to put to bed all the rumors and she didn't refer to anybody by their name <laughs> and she kept on calling someone referring to somebody as like a cast member with a health condition oh God which when you hear someone called a health condition you think that they're ill yeah. I my assumption is that she's talking about Bethany who was 
pregnant during Scary Island, which is, right. a, again, another an odd use of words. Wait, was, what was she talking out. about? I'm out of the she loop She just that. was saying, like, uh, in some way describing what happened. I, From what I understand, like she a didn't mental actually health reveal. Condition? Well, oh. she was literally saying just she kept saying somebody with a health condition, somebody with Ooh. a health condition. I have no idea of the context, but I don't know that Kelly does either, to be perfectly honest. She just sometimes uses these phrases that are meant to support her narrative, which I don't know that Kelly understands. You know, and it's it's it is people do seem to care like we are talking about it right now but if i, I were Kelly, I, I i'd be like I'd be like that happened 10 years ago so like i've moved on mm -hmm. and also give us then information or right it's so passive aggressive to try to somehow burn bethany while calling her a person with a health condition without providing any context or information of why you're saying these things. Like, instead of health condition, say that she's pregnant. But this is also somebody who during the trip was like, you're disgusting for going on vacation after your relative passed away. Instead of being like, I'm so sorry someone died. Let's help you relax i mean she doesn't kelly doesn't live here which again that's the disconnection that can sometimes help a housewife in the moment until right. it becomes too much right well i hope that i hope that jill Zarin pops up out of nowhere mm -hmm. um i wonder who, if it is a surprise i do i do wonder who that will be it definitely would be amazing if it were jill but now I'm i mean i wish nini was there too you're hoping yes, for jill I, everyone's hoping for I, jill I, it's like I want it to be Jill, except I don't want to know that it's po very possible and likely that it is Jill because I just don't. I'm one of those people. I don't want to necessarily know that information. I'm not following production as things happen. It's yeah. only when stuff goes to the Daily Mail of it all, when it's right. like Potomac altercation, <laughs> Denise and Brandy, when there's yeah. other coverage then I find out about stuff, but I don't ultimately know how this season is going to go related to this. And I think it's interesting and fun for people to experience it as it happens, you know? Yeah. I wonder too. I haven't, I asked Andy about it today on the air, like, Oh, they're leaving. They said they posted Instagrams that they're on their way. And I guess who mm -hmm. was it? Melissa Gorga did. Um, that they oh, were yeah. taking Many of them did their PJ picks. Yeah. Um, and didn't they always say like there won't there won't be a Housewives All Stars until the shows all jump the shark? Wasn't that always the case? Has anybody asked about that? I mean, have you asked Andrew? <laughs> Maybe I should. Have no, but it did. <laughs> it did. It did cross, said. It crossed my mind today because we have not we have not talked about it. And when I thought about when I put that story in there, I was like, well, this is a Housewives thing. We should probably bring that up. And uh, threw that in there, and I was like, "Wait a minute! It's an All Stars thing," because people ask him all the time. People have called in a million times, and um, that was always his answer. So I wondered if you guys, because uh, I'm often late to the party, so I don't, I don't know. Did he make a comment? I was like, "Why? How did I miss this big thing?" He had said publicly exactly what you're saying that it would be some sort of version of jumping the shark. But I think what he and the network have surely realized by now is that Housewives isn't going anywhere. No, and absolutely that's something that we not. want. Right. And, and in this world where you can't, I, I don't know that it is, 
I don't know the context in which the franchise itself will have jumped the shark. We may not know that until three years after the fact. Right. But I do feel fairly confident that that hasn't yet happened. People still want to have these kinds of conversations. Andy Scrolls is all about like talking about the psychology and the behavior behind mm -hmm. these shows. And I'm thanks to the housewives and these stories and the storytellers, I don't feel like I'm ever going to run out of something to say. Right. And that's, thanks to this world and this universe that I think has great staying power. And I think at a certain period of time, surely they realized this isn't actually jumping the shark. I could understand from other kinds of reality TV or scripted TV that when you do a spinoff of a spinoff or like the, you know, celeb MTV superstar of it all, once that's like the third iteration of an original show, that could feel like people are reaching for content. But in this case, I feel like it's honestly a little bit of a show of thanks. Absolutely. I totally agree. And the concept, as you're saying that, the concept of jumping the shark is probably being redefined, just like you're mm -hmm. saying. You know, before it was like, there's a show on the air. Oh, it's going to get canceled. This show isn't just one show. It's a billion different shows and it's going to evolve. Think about Survivor. Think about, think about, for example, Miami going away and then coming back. Mm -hmm. These shows oh are not about, oh, the, you know, here's one. It used to be that way 15 years ago, maybe like, oh, mm -hmm. here's a reality show. It, you know, people stop liking it, we're gonna cancel it, you know, and then it'll get rebooted in 20 years. Housewives is not like that. And probably the best example of that, um, or one of at least, you know, that's going to have, even if it were to change what it looks like over the its inception, mm -hmm. which it has, the, and it's not even about spinoffs and stuff. It's just, it seems very natural. And just to kind of use the language that they've used a million times about say someone coming onto a cast and they're like, well, if it's natural for that person to be a housewife, it'll make sense. Like Kathy Hilton or whatever. It's like, you know, these women have all interacted. They interacted at Andy's baby shower. They've interacted mm -hmm. at events a billion times. So it's not like they don't know each other and it's not like they wouldn't go on a vacation. I mean, man, here, whatever. But they, it, it makes sense <laughs> to me that they would go on a vacation. Like it's not out, It's not just like, okay, we're gonna throw you in a jungle with turnips for a bra. You're going, I know. Okay, now let's pitch them that. But, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's kind of like, oh, Mm -hmm. these are housewifey ladies and they're going to go on a vacation mm -hmm. and we're going to shoot it as well. That to me is perfectly fine. Makes sense. It's not forced. It's not like I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. It's they're going on a vacation. The Jerks and Caicos, they'd probably be going anyway. So it's going to be a housewifey thing. They, it's, it's fine. It does not seem jump the sharky to me. It seems um, the opposite of that. And for a lot of people, the jumping the shark is like, an example, the, you know, substitute word for desperation, right? Where it's yeah. like, we don't know what kind of story it is that we're going to tell. So we're going to pull this thing and um, uh, stemming from what's his face on happy days who literally jumped, yes, the jumped shark a shark because on a vacation in Hawaii. And they felt like that was yeah. the, the death knoll for, um, for the show, for the plot. Because people were leaving the show, watching the mm -hmm. show, people, the viewers were leaving and they wanted people to watch even if it were just one last, right, desperate attempt to make them watch. And I feel like when it comes to desperation and the jumping of the shark at all, it really does feel, as with our conversation about humbling, it is also, I think, a specific individual 
moment in time for some of these housewives. And sometimes you quote unquote, jump the shark, you're reaching, you're doing too much. I think of like Tamara judge a little bit in that context of like, when you go too far or it feels too produced, sometimes staying that extra season can make sense because it's the evolution of everybody else in the cast saying, we see you jumping the shark and we're going to talk about this as a part of the plot. And sometimes it leads to somebody having a little, you know, going too far, needing to have a little pause where it's Mm -hmm. they've gone like way too far left. It's not necessarily about doing it for the show, as I would say for Tamara. Maybe it's their own challenge or struggle that they're going through. They jump the shark just in their experience being too inside this world and need a moment. And sometimes they're able to come back. Yeah, there is that moment when you're like, uh, okay, this person now knows they're on a hit TV show. Like thinking about Ramona is, you know, has now been on TV more than Janice and, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like the redefinition of what it is to be a person on primetime television. And that's totally different now than it was before. And there's that moment where the person's like, oh, you're not documenting my life. I'm on your TV show. And mm-hmm. then what happens is I think they go, oh, well, I'm not getting X, Y, and Z but you're actually not an actress on a scripted television show. It is about your life. So it's like, well, do I do things for the TV show? Am I doing things for my life? And I'm sure it's confusing. It's gotta be confusing. So people may jump their own sharks, you know, and try things and be desperate because they don't want to lose the show. I mean, I get it. It's gotta be a hard thing to mentally navigate. As far as the navigation process and the kind of evolution of the Bravo of it all, which has changed so much since it was like the, I mean, I still remember the it factor. Oh my God. Me too. Me and Andy used to watch it before he worked at Bravo. Oh, that is, that is genuinely guys. If you, I don't know how you would be able to (laughs) find it now. You can find it. it Daisy Egan. Oh, can you? Oh yeah. Daisy Egan. Godfrey. Jeremy Renner. Um, Jeremy Renner. All mm-hmm. of these then struggling performers or performers at different points of their journey as actors. It was very much a docu-series following these people in, I think, New York and L.A. There is a very poignant moment where, and this was years ago, where there was an actress whose name I forget, unfortunately, who's talking about, I think, a great callback or something. She looks out. She's on a rooftop. Do you remember this? She's on a rooftop in New York. She's looking out. She feels so hopeful for the future. And I could be lying, but I do. I believe this is what happened. She looks in the future, and the thing below the screen on the bottom of the screen said, like, September 10, 2001. Oh, I got chills. I just got chills. It was a wild time. It was a wild time to be a New Yorker, to be a performer, to be um, a, a Bravo viewer watching mm. all of this stuff. And 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 in many ways, I think, reset the idea of narrative storytelling, which has gone through many generations of content since that time. I mean, the It Factor, for, I mean, you are a Broadway, you know, performer, surely... Um, did you find yourself reflected in some of that, in some of those stories being told? Uh, definitely. I'm trying to think of, uh, I haven't, I've never thought of that before in, um, yeah, because also the advent of technology was changing and Andy and I used to watch mm-hmm. that show. We both were passionate about it. Oh, wait, we watched the effect. He and I actually watched more showbiz moms and dads, show dogs, moms and dads. Did you watch that show? 
Oh, I don't uh, think I did. Really? Actually, okay, was was It Factor on Bravo? I Bravo. thought it was yeah, on, because yeah, yeah. when he was at Trio, oh, you know, I'm like, Trio, uh, when Andy was at Trio before Bravo, that's where Showbiz and Show Dogs, Moms and Dads was. That you need to track down. That was World of Wonder. That's how I know Randy and Fenton from World oh, of Wonder, really? who produced RuPaul's Drag Race. If you don't know who World of Wonder is, they produced Drag Race. Um, and that was back in the day. And I, I came out to LA and I worked with them for off and on for the better part of a decade. But um, it factor, right, that was on Bravo. I feel like I watched that maybe a little bit before I worked or before I even met Andy. What year did it air? Oh, I guess before 9-11. It was, wow. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a hot second ago. It's wild when I think wow. in my head. So I don't remember if I was watching it live as it happened or through some right. sort of hmm. rerun-ish process, but it was incredibly interesting. Also thinking of these people who 20 years ago were working their ass off to try to remain, become, ascend in the world of trying to support yourself as a working performer, as an actor. And you think of Jeremy Renner, who has created such a career... Yeah since then and it's interesting to see but it reminds me of the idea of bravo and narrative storytelling because you yourself have produced so many shows and shows at the beginning or or for many people prior to starting their own bravo journey i'm curious for your thoughts yeah. about how storytelling has potentially changed since then now that i'm thinking about this i haven't thought back that far in forever but um back in the well just okay so back in the day People mm -hmm. thought that being on, you know, when that show aired, The It Factor, mm -hmm. it seemed, you know, being on a, a documentary series was kind of like a novel thing. You know, these people could still be actors having been on the hardcore documentary series. Then it became reality show. And then actors who wanted to be serious actors would never in a million years dream of it. Mm -hmm. Then it changed. I kind of, it, it's kind of swung back the other way now. Mm -hmm. um, but there for the middle aughts, that's kind of how, you know, that's kind of how it seemed. And people's agents in New York would be like, don't you dare be on Survivor. You're never going to be an actor again. And I think that was probably true. Um, you know, Elizabeth Hasselbeck obviously went on to be on The View. But like, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, we, they, people didn't know the trajectory. Um, right. But yeah, I was uh, in Broadway shows and the reality TV was just kind of debuting. But then storytelling was popping off because these people from documentaries were like, oh, we'll make a documentary series. And we, people who, I started to work in that world and it was the philosophy behind producing those shows was very much like, don't, it wasn't like, you know, go lie to, to whoever you're following and make them seem like it's a documentary. You know, you're really making a scripted show. It wasn't, it really wasn't that. I never felt like that was dishonest to say. I was always like, we are literally following the real story here mm -hmm. for, I mean I worked on a million shows the difference was competition shows on those shows they they had to be locked down like when I worked on Project Runway and Top Chef and those kinds of shows because of rules because of like broad Bravo legal and those shows have legal departments where you can't mess mm -hmm. with stuff you have to right. it has to be a competition so that was clear cut for me in terms of the storytelling you know you can ramp up the tension with music and the storytelling and red herrings and stuff like that, and the edit, but you can't manipulate someone's, someone winning. Outcome. Really, you know, I mean, the judges will do what they want, but it's never like, oh, hey, this person would be better to win. Just, you know, get, make them win. It really came down to, you know, who people, who the judges want to win. But in terms of um, 
documentary, you know, a reality docu soap rather, you know, kind of pre Housewives. Um, they, you know, started out to kind of showcase people who lived in that environment, like behind the gates, as mm -hmm. OC was originally called. You know, they, uh, you know, Bravo was finding its audience with aspirational kind of people, and like, um, and like going back to, oh, I can't believe you never saw Show Dogs, Moms and Dads. It's, it's kind of like I weird. Know, I don't think I did. I you need to go know. find it. I think the philosophy was like, people would always the mandates from networks was always like come to us as producers and creatives like what we want to hear pitched to us are weird worlds worlds no one's ever thought of before so back then it's like okay want to be actors brilliant back then perfect no one was really there was no um the starlet with Faye Dunaway this is before that you know what I mean that was mm. and you know okay uh dog show dog you know trainer contestants or whatever like that was a <laughs> weird world so then it became like, okay, you know, really rich people who lived in gated communities. Okay, great. So, you know, then the world evolved as it did. Um, is that your question? Yeah. No, I love it. No, that you absolutely it is. And it's interesting that, you know, when we talk about when does something go too far uh, in the in terms of you've run out of stories to tell or it feels like something is inauthentic or inorganic to the actual core of the show itself. It's interesting that Orange County became was created in many ways as an offshoot an ability to capitalize on desperate housewives right and orange county were i mean i didn't see this most recent season but <laughs> is 15 16 seasons in desperate housewives way jumped the shark i mean which became sort of almost a fun people enjoy sometimes the jumping of the shark too when it's like this stuff that doesn't necessarily make sense but we're all a part of the community discussing it mm -hmm. and so you can still sort of celebrate that even if you don't necessarily you can't really figure out the navigational tool of the plot but look at orange county which is still on tv however many years after desperate housewives goes off the air so it does sort of show that however this was created they have certainly been able to capitalize on following and dissecting and unpacking different levels of privilege and escapism specific to these women's stories and not have run out of time i'm just now thinking of this as you're saying it um but kudos to Bravo too for being able to look at the landscape of culture and society and look at what creatives are pitching them all the time and think, okay, here's what people want. Here's what people are passionate about telling what is also happening in our cast, you know, all mm -hmm. the time. You know, you were talking about Desperate Housewives and I was just kind of going through a Rolodex of shows, you know, and there have been so many shows, scripted shows that you could have made a reality show after that about some other world like that for example just one that popped in my head was like good christian bitches remember that show with Kristen oh Chenoweth? my god Kristen Chenoweth. And it's like there's no reason why that show shouldn't have been a huge hit but at the time mm -hmm. it was a bad timing you know it was bad timing mm -hmm. like people didn't want to show like people don't love a show with the cuss word in the title they really don't yeah. they can watch the bachelor and have a totally misogynist show and have people call each other bitches and sluts and whores behind their back and mm -hmm. slapping and competing for a guy and lying and cheating having sex on camera but don't say the title bitch in my house in front of my kids right that mm -hmm. as weird as it sounds i do understand and mm -hmm. then so and also people didn't want to make fun of mega churches oh, and or you oh, know yeah, and yeah. that kind of or any sort of but they can make fun of it on their own 
You know, it's like, mm -hmm. don't make, like, I can talk about, you know, my mom as much as I want, but if you say anything bad about my mom, I'll kill you. That, like, everyone's like mm -hmm. that. I'm not saying me personally, mm -hmm. but that's that idea. So it's kind of like, but then look at what happened. Uh, churchy stuff became a big, like, story point in o OC. Mm -hmm. So it's like, before that wasn't really a storyline that wasn't really anything anybody wanted to touch because it would nobody wanted it was kind of a personal thing and nobody wants to mock that but now like baptismals in hot tubs and stuff like that that stuff is up for grabs to yeah. laugh about mm -hmm. like oh you're gonna come here and like get fake titties off the wazoo and then you're gonna go to church all day and then come tell me why I'm terrible and you're drunk while you tell me that like that is to me brilliant and i want to see more of that all the time but i see why that's like you don't want to make a whole show about that but i'm just saying kudos to bravo for being able to go oh that's something people will probably want to dive into now when that came around you know they followed that those kinds of stories and let that be in the background of some, uh, other people's stories see what i'm saying yeah and it I totally do. And I also think just like with good Christian bitches that it is sometimes all about timing and you don't know what you have sometimes right. until three years after the fact. So you're just watching the show maybe grow and change and adapt to whatever we're going through as a society and a culture. And it just so happens that the timing of Orange County, which didn't happen the first season right. but as the show evolved and changed, it became a part of our pop culture and our understanding because they kind of grew in parallel. Right. And I was watching the Oscars last night and I, the only note that I wrote down during watching, which PS you guys on the AG Patreon, there's an hour long special episodes with uh, Kevin Fallon, senior uh, entertainment reporter at the daily mail at uh, the daily beast rather where we unpacked all things Oscars. But uh, Lee Isaac Chung, who was nominated for uh, best direction for Minari had that quote when they were sharing the quotes of the directors of what mm -hmm. inspires them. What would you tell someone on the street in 20 seconds is what you do. And I think it was during this point though, I could be completely wrong. Um, Lee said film must respond to life, not the other way around. Yes. Which to me, I just got so chills again. Right. It's so poignant. Yeah. It's so interesting. But also as a sociopath, I was like, oh, I could totally see that applying to Bravo. <laughs> right. It, and it kind of does to, to like mm -hmm. on certain occasions. And I, I think a lot of times I have um, a couple of friends who are really, really, really successful um, screenwriters. And some of the best screenwriters mm -hmm. do not understand what I'm about to say, including me. I'm terrible. Mm -hmm. But some people had someone tell me once like you know most tv shows and movies right now they they write dialogue for actors to say based on what they think how like how actors talk not how mm. real people talk to each other because mm -hmm. that's actually not that interesting maybe to write it's a lot of stops and starts mm -hmm. and, and rabbit holes and weird things so and and we in turn now talk like actors so mm -hmm. it's super strange you know like which is it and like it's also yeah, exactly. Like art, you know, life shouldn't be imitating the movies, you know, or if it should maybe, you know, pick and choose. Yeah. And I feel like that's also <laughs> that's also the conversation that sometimes people struggle with when it comes to uh, understanding how to cover very important and real moments in time. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, whether it's the COVID of it all or mm. the incredibly important and powerful Black Lives Matter movement. And you think about the fact, the argument that I would make, which I think every housewife on um, Atlanta 
uh, would potentially share and a lot of critiques of Orange County might as well, mm-hmm. which is these are this is our reality of what is happening right Right. now of course we're going to cover it especially if the storytelling is about our lives and we are in the fight for our lives which is why i think it's so important that there were episodes like the first episode of atlanta this season and there's the opportunity for discussion as there has been in the many critiques against kelly dodd because you know, it's important to use our our platform power and influence. Sometimes that is in the ways of understanding someone who is diametrically opposed or is the absolute antithesis of what I believe so that you can at least understand that perspective, even if you agree with it. And sometimes it's a conversation about, you know, responsibility in storytelling. There's a lot of nuance there, I think, to unpack. There was one point where shows I was working in development for someone and they were like okay well here are the big trends that are coming around so what shows can we develop Mm -hmm. for blah 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 and it was like okay the biggest thing like for example I worked on Tori and Dean in love like this first and second season-ish um uh did some like pre-pro for season one then like actually worked worked on season two in the field and everything but there was a there was a point like 10 years later they're like okay well they're turning like when the divorce and like drug use and stuff happened it was they were turning around episodes every other day and that was a big change for me because all I wanted as a producer was like let's make it about what's really happening it's less of a lie Mm -hmm. for everyone it's like okay these guys had a conversation bam here's how it went instead of waiting eight months these things used to take Mm -hmm. eight months to cut them cut the whole show then present it it's like yo there was a pandemic in between why are you kicking yourself in the feet or whatever kick yourself in the shins whatever that phrase mm-hmm. that saying is mm-hmm. tripping over your kick own yourself feet wherever. like there you go um so with like technology improving you know and being able to send producers cuts from around the world and have it done in real time it made more sense for this stuff to actually reflect the real world a little bit more so like not to use the term news but it was newsy um or or um re- reflected the times you know so you didn't have to wait a year because then you're like with the Dorian Dean thing I know that's an amazing journalistic feat but um you know what was happening was what you were watching what you know mm-hmm. like that's why Instagram live is now you know why would you go on a, a docu-soap where 800,000 people maybe will watch it when you can go on your Instagram live and 3 million people will watch what you're saying in the moment so mm-hmm. that's affecting tv that's affecting content and that's affecting um, like when you're saying the housewives all-stars thing, you know, they're getting on a plane today, you know, it's almost May. And if they have a series uh, of season that uh, debuts in late summer, that's pretty quick. Otherwise it's like it 10 really months quick. to a year after that stuff starts shooting. And I like that. I think it should be quicker. You guys want, I mean, fans of this stuff, myself included, like want to see, I want to see COVID stuff. I want to see how people dealt with the pandemic, you know? In eight months, I don't know if it's going to be the same. It'll be different. Right. I mean, there is something to be said for watching this moment in time where, I mean, I remember in February of 2020, I'm an event producer by trade, and I was working on a gala honoring Anna Wintour, and I was mm-hmm. like talking to the Vogue team thinking, this is, you know, it's going to be like a couple weeks. <laughs> it really, we really thought that. And then it yeah. was a day, it was like one day in, I don't remember even the month, if it was February, the beginning, it had to have been the beginning of March, where 
it just changed, you mm-hmm. know, it became like the, okay, well, we don't actually know what this is going to be. So to watch that on camera and uh, to watch that on television, however many months later, I think it's, it's a significant moment. You also are hopeful that people are uh, doing their best to be safe and responsible with that moment because, you know, there it is a platform that is being translated for people as either a don't do this or this person is giving me permission to, you know. Um, but just being able to have that as a little bit of a COVID bubble, you know, I think that's it's. I don't want to use the word exciting because that's not the intention that I have, but it is, it does feel historic, you know? And as a view, yeah. And as as someone who is living in the world and in a world where we have media and TV, you know, we are stories that we are told. We, we want them to happen while we're experiencing stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, if we're going through this, I want to see what the stories that I follow, how, how, you know, what they have to say about it too, you know? Yeah. How does that influence the points of discussion that you have on Radio Andy on your shows when it comes to um, the pop culture of it all, the, the breaking news of it all, and also the Bravo intersection where so much of pop culture is a wink and a nod to Bravo storytelling? I like breaking news the most. What's mm-hmm. exciting about it is that we, I'm not great at rehearsing my, um, like I'm not a journalist um, and I wish I was, I wish that my mom was a journalism major. I just, um, I don't spend my entire, whatever. I'm not, the, I'm not a journalist. And, but I like breaking news because then when you do, and I like being live. Something Kelly Ripa said mm-hmm. once is like, you know, being, on live TV or radio or whatever, it's easy for you if it's easy for you. Some people can't um, imagine, it's mortifying to be live on air. I could never do a podcast. This is mortifying for me, just kidding. It is (laughs) hell on earth for me to be on anything recorded in terms of a podcast or anything, because then you have to worry about what you're gonna sound like later, what you've said, you wanna do it over again. I can't, it's very hard for me, it's a different skill. I can be on live TV or live radio all day long. I like it. And I, what I like is the breaking news stuff because then mm-hmm. you, 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 you say what you're going to say. So you have to be prepared with what you think about things so that you don't mm-hmm. say something insane and then have to like clean up the wreckage later. And I think we do a good job of that. But I, I think breaking news is really fun for us. And as far as Bravo goes, Andy doesn't say... Um, we don't prep beforehand. He's not like, hey, here are the talking points I don't want to discuss. Just like he is um, with other people who come and watch What Happens Live. He doesn't pre-interview them. Like, what do you not want to talk about? Of course, they, you know, people say like, hey, stay away from this. But he is, his, one of his specific singular skills, I think, is being able to ask people things that no one else can ask them because he's never looking to sell anybody out. And he's hoping to give them a way to talk about things in a way they wouldn't feel comfortable with otherwise. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how he treats... Actually, he's not like, hey, listen, don't ever ask about this or that. It's um, just like this All-Stars thing. I ge- when, when you said it, I genuinely didn't know that had not been announced before when I read it. And I was like, and I put it in the news, like, oh, he'll probably be like, hey, that's old news. Who cares? And I didn't, I didn't know that it wasn't. And he and I have never discussed it. And um, 
so it's that's exciting to me that's and, and we can also discuss it on the air and it's not um like we are literally having whatever pre-production meeting we would have beforehand we're having it live on the air and that's exciting to me how does the temperature in the room change when you are having those conversations and maybe a Bravo Lab calls in or you have a guest who is specific to this world where you're then wanting to still have a conversation and a dialogue and, you know, not necessarily, of course, absolutely not wanting someone to feel unwelcome because you want them to come back. That's at the end of the day. And you want people to feel comfortable in your space, um, regardless of if they're in studio or on the phone. But does it change a little bit, especially because Bravo stories are so specific? That's super interesting. Well, I can't think of, I don't know, maybe nobody's listening to our radio show, but literally no Bravo celebrities ever call in. <laughs> they, I think they're not up in the morning. They never call in. Um, they probably have in the past, but I, that's definitely not something that happens. But there is Bravo stuff that that comes through, and I think maybe a lot of people would it would be maybe more listened to if more you know Bravo content was there. But mm. in the mornings, I don't know. We've also never discussed this in terms of curating the content as much. But you know, we have you know people go on their junkets, people go through serious, and they make the interview rounds. So. Mm-hmm. Like today we had M. Kamal Bell or whatever and Leslie Jordan. That's not because we spent weeks out saying, okay, this would be great. To, it's not like what happens live. It's not like, okay, we want these two people. It's like, here's the talent coming through and here's who's going to get interviewed and then prepare after that. That's not to say that Andy doesn't specifically say, hey, go get the guy who wrote the late night book. Get him on. Like it's probably 50-50 in terms of like people he's passionate with and also people who are doing press. Um but in terms of Bravo stuff, sometimes I'll say like, hey, there's this big Bravo story or whatever. And it's not necessarily the most important thing to talk about that day because it is a timely live show every morning. Mm-hmm. And I think he likes to have it be that kind of a show so that it, um, in my assumption, this isn't from him, I would assume that it's not, you know, he's very Bravo entrenched and his whole life is, is mm-hmm. Bravo stuff, you know, at night, all day long. Um, and I think it's probably refreshing to have the, the live show in the mornings on Sirius be um, a little air in there so it can be about other stuff. Because, I mean, there is no one more well-read than Andy. Like, I was just about to say, like, when I was like, I'm not a journalist, I, I have not read a fraction of the amount of books he's read. You know, mm-hmm. he has more to talk mm-hmm. about with these people who come in, uh, to interview them. Um, I'm kind of like, oh, cool. What were you in? So, um, when, what <laughs> in answer to your question, the temperature changes. It, um, I, um, when Bravo people come on, or when there is a subject about that, it does. I've noticed that some of the some of the Bravo people come on with a. Um, it is about the subject at hand. So, like, someone comes on, and it's a little bit like, okay, here's what I want to say about the story about me. They're not coming on to shoot the shit or to chat about the world right. at large, with the exception of someone like Bethany. She could talk to anybody about anything all day long. And it's kind of a more entertaining thing because she's a great talk show guest. Mm-hmm. Um, when someone else comes on, it's a little bit like, here's what I want to say about me and my storyline and and what I think about that, that, that. Not like, oh, hey, what do you think about, you know, the march today or whatever you know they want to talk about you know how it rela- um, how it relates to them and their storyline and their next few shows in the future i completely hear that and putting aside w kamau bell and um uh leslie jordan with the housewives you watch a show about entertainment uh, 
you know, it's a different thing from discussing a drama and someone's upset about an arc involving a certain character. And so that actress is going on TV shows to promote the show. And she might also be responding to right. um, pushback from the audience who are, doesn't necessarily like the direction or is upset about a character's choice. The stakes are so much different when you are yourself on one of these shows and someone's exactly. like, I hate that thing that you did or I hate you now, mm-hmm. regardless of whether or not you feel that that is a performative version of yourself. If you are hearing from people that they're like, well, fuck, blah, blah, blah. I mean, the stakes are a lot different, especially when people are kind of unpacking these shows. You know, it's, it's, it, is, it is a different experience, I think. I guess maybe looking at Watch What Happens Live from Inception was like an after show about these shows, which then spurred on, spurred on all these other shows like Talking Dead and all these after shows because they're about the show you just watched and you get into the nitty gritty, you get into the deep cuts, you get into like, well, in season two, you said this, do you still think that? And it's people who watch the show that are fans and they want to see the person. Oh my God, we just watched them. Let's see what they have to say now, live, unscripted, uncensored. Let's see what they have to say. On the morning show, it's like, someone doing press is like oh yeah here's what I have to say about the thing that happened last night and the only thing they have to say looking ahead is you'll have to wait and see it's not a there's not as much interview there Mm. you know in my opinion because the show is not an after show about the show you just watched it's wake up in the morning you have work ahead what are the things in the news oh they found 10,000 pounds of meth disguised as pickles in Texas that was one of the stories (laughs) today we didn't get to but that's what we want to make it did you can look it up yeah and that kind of pickle or you want to i bet you you seem like it um (laughs) (laughs) you're a little messy like today it's like well we want to talk about the oscars and how terrible they were it's not like we want to talk to this person from a docuseries in canada about their story arc or maybe we do i don't know it's just Mm -hmm. kind of like what you know what's happening today we want to talk about this for an hour the oscars sucked Leslie Jordan's going to come through. Love you. Oh, you have strep throat. That's crazy. Remember that time Leslie Jordan came on, he has strep throat. Okay. And now we're going to talk about more breaking news. So it's not a Bravo show. It's a Sirius XM Life Morning show. Yeah. And it's in some ways a translation for the, for the Bravo audience who mm-hmm. are perhaps new to um, seeing that or reveal that side of your dynamic with Andy and of Andy's thoughts on these things, because the name of the network is Radio Andy. And a lot of these people are coming in through their relationship with them. Exactly. And it's intrinsically the network. It's intrinsically yeah. Andy-ish. Sorry to uh, interrupt you. Like it's, it's going to no, be please. Bravo-ish. I mean, it's what I'm trying to say. Like it's going to be Bravo-ish and there's, there's no shying away from that. It is always like mm-hmm. first and foremost, like obviously that's what, you know, the stuff is kind of about, but it's less of, um, in terms of our show in particular, it's like um, there's a lot talk about right off the top instead of like well okay you know imagine like here here are all the shows that happened last night we did a watch what happens live after that let's talk again about the morning after like who you know i don't know who'd be able to track all that stuff about who's talked about what to death and stuff so i think it's for him probably a nice break to kind of talk about everything bravo that you want to talk about but also yeah you're right getting to know him um and all the things he thinks about aside from that and hearing his personal life like his mornings with ben and him going to zazie's pizza mm-hmm. three times a week or whatever it was and um what he thought about the oscars the night before his trip to la and kardashians reunion you know i'll you know to tune in to hear about that stuff how has your relationship or dynamic with him changed i mean it's one thing to be friends with someone it's another thing to introduce 
professional relationships, which can be difficult. I've never done that on a public platform, but privately I, you know, I now have a rule of like, I'm not ever going to do anything work related with like family members. Yeah. That's, it was yeah. not fun for me. <laughs> so is that ever when it comes to the family of it all, is that ever, um, did you ever have to evolve a little bit or adjust a little bit to that, to a new kind of chapter for you guys? Oh, for sure. Definitely. I, I mean, I feel like it's kind of always an adjustment. Any, anybody, um, it's been so long. It's been a couple of decades, you know, that's a long mm-hmm. time. And I, I, mm-hmm. I always, I don't know if I realize that all the time. Um, we started working together a long time ago. So uh, that, and in a, we were, I guess we were across the country. So I would work on things in a much different capacity. He would be on the network side. I would produce for um, the production companies out here mm-hmm. on a very low level, by the way, I was by no means like a shot caller. Um, but when I was younger, yeah, I would work in the field on, on shows out here, but that was a good training though, because it was like, I remember one time early on, I was working on step it up and dance on Bravo, which was only one season, Mm -hmm. Okay, Elizabeth with Nomi Malone and, um, only one season it ended tragically, but I did at one point he and I talked, it was, you know, we went in thinking, oh, this is going to be fun. Great. Uh, and then. At the end, we talked to the end of it. We, we didn't like um, talk out of school at all. Um, and everyone knew their part. There was no like, oh, hey, don't talk to Andy. He's this or that. It was like, great. We're all friends. We're all professionals. This is going to work out great. Mm-hmm. And I talked to him like the day after we wrapped or something. Not like, okay, here's what went down. Nothing drama like that. But but mm-hmm. then he, I think he spoke to one of my bosses. And like, oh, yeah, I talked to John, blah, blah, blah. And I did have to, we, and then she and I spoke and it was like, Hey, just like a tip, you know, don't forget, like Andy is still our, you know, network executive. And like, if he hears things that might sound differently to him than what we would want him to know or think, because Mm -hmm. that relationship is, there is a hierarchy for a reason. And I was like, oh shit, right. And it wasn't like a, I fucked up or anything, but it was definitely like, oh, here's how it's going to work from now on. And in terms of like what you say, not that I was never you know what I'm saying? So then after I kind of learned the way things were going to go from then on, and it was, if it had been difficult or, or a conflict of morality, I would have not continued, but it ended up being fine. And he's very good at that. He's very good at maintaining whatever boundary needs to happen to work uh, with someone. For example, I mean, we worked on Watch Happens Live for forever and it, uh, we were able to do that. And then we worked together. I guess it's changed because, uh, we're older, you know, and mm. I guess it's probably changed for the better in a lot of ways because um, I want the best for him. He wants the best for me and to see the other ones succeed, you know, and I, I guess I didn't love the idea that people were like, I love when you guys are in the morning together and you're like super bitchy with each other and give each other shit. I don't love that. I don't love that mm. dynamic or I, I don't love the takeaway that like that's, the thing we like to give each other shit a little bit, but because we love each other, it's not that like nobody wants to be stuck in like your job and your job is to be snatchy to the person you're working with. Sure. That's toxic after a while. It's been six years of like real work together. There was a certain line at Watch Robins Live and these other shows that were like, um, 
we didn't have, we weren't working together on air the entire time. It was like, here's something I'm gonna submit to my boss. It gets to him, he gives notes. Here's that, we can work together as closely as we want. But here it's like literally working together and collaborating on the air. There is, like I was saying, there's no going back to edit this stuff out. It's what you hear is what you get. And so that is something to navigate. Those, those, yeah. yeah. Is that a good answer? I mean, it's, it is, it's such a good answer. And I think it's, uh, that is life at some points and it's a choice that you make and a dance that you, that you do. It's a little bit of a delicate ballet, I think in many places, because you have just as much of an interest in keeping the foundation of your friendship a certain way as you do to be able to together produce content that is interesting to people and you don't want one to negatively affect the other if that um makes sense too you know like there are stakes in just being really good friends with someone and you don't you know to be like quote unquote bitchy to a person i mean i tell my friend part of my love language is telling you to shut the fuck up you know what i'm saying like it's like it's a different it is a different dynamic uh, related to every single different relationship that you have with someone when you introduce potentially hundreds of thousands of listeners that can sometimes talk about changing the temperature in the room because those people aren't aware of your day-to-day relationship with this person, your communication style. And so when that becomes translated in a public space, that can change things a little bit. But I think that's also why it's so important to have a good foundational core so that as the waves come, regardless of whether or not they are real waves or things that someone thinks that they are hearing or feeling as a result, you guys maintain stasis. I love him. I want the best for him. There's nothing that will change that. Literally nothing. There's been few people in my life that have uh, been as loyal to me or generous Mm. to me uh, uh, than him. And so it's kind of like, there's not a radio show that will change anything about that. Having that foundation of like, love and trust and loyalty and the fact of the matter is that we'll always have each other back frees us up to then have fun and to not be worried no one's ever worried that like oh is someone still going to say something to piss me off and blah blah blah. we get pissed Mm -hmm. off each other all the time i'm sure Mm -hmm. but it's like whatever we'll work that out at some point and a lot of stuff you know does come on the radio show that people like oh my god i heard you said this blah blah that was funny and we laugh each other's quirks off that other people might not be able to have uh Mm-hmm. You know, they wouldn't be cool with, with their friend or whatever, but we're able to kind of process and deal with things. But I think the love comes through. I love him. I want the best for him. And I'm I'm grateful that I get to, you know, who doesn't want to work on a radio show about, you know, during the, in the mornings during the week. It's really fun. I love it. I believe it. I think that's incredible. And yeah. I'm so appreciative that you came on AG and we did such an interesting deep dive in this combo oh my god i was what was even the the subject i think the through line is you know how bravo and all of us respond to all things life i think that we can owe that to a little bit of our um uh inspo from last night at the oscars and just also being a part of this community which i think is really interesting speaking of really interesting tell me a little bit about the feels tell me what you're working on what you have on the calendar how people can support you follow you online all of that good stuff uh do follow me please do i'm uh, I'm john arthur hill on instagram i'm the boss of you on twitter follow me there that's a a rocker's (laughs) good time i'm sure (laughs) Um, I was de-verified when I got hacked and I'm cool. I'm not the biggest Twitterer. It's fine. Um, 
I got hacked. And let's see, uh, listen to Chart Flashback this week on uh, Sirius XM Stars. Just go look for it and on the app and listen to The Feels. It's every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific. It's really fun. It's an hour. I have a guest co-host every week. It changes. Yes. Um, we talk about different things of the week. It's a live show. Again, we take breaking news and just talk about how we feel about it. You can call in. It's live. You can call in 844-305-2639. And oh. anything live every, every Monday and Wednesday uh, at 7 a.m. Pacific. 10 a.m. Eastern. Um, you should come on the fields. Come on. I Please. would die Will you come on? to come on. Oh my God, I would love it. It would be a pleasure. Oh my God. It would be Please a pleasure. Ben Rimmelauer is a frequent guest. <laughs> I'll bet he yeah. is. Our favorite. Yeah. What was the, what I've already forgotten the phrase that he said. Octa, I was about to call it Octopussy, but I know that's Octobottom. not Octobottom. 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 Our favorite Octobottom pal. It would be a pleasure to, and it was a pleasure having you on Andy's Girls. I can't tell you how much I've been looking forward to talking to you. And it, you were everything I was hoping for and more. I'm so appreciative. Uh, so I'm so appreciative. I really had a great time talking to you. I think you're the greatest. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you. That's going to be the new advertising. Can't wait to see that on the yeah. side of a bus any day now. You're the best. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can follow me online on Instagram at Dame Galley. As I mentioned during the ep, a one-hour special bonus episode on the Andy Scrolls Patreon where I very much deep dive the Oscars uh, with Kevin Fallon Senior and your entertainment reporter at the Daily Beast. Thank you again. This was so special. I would love to yes. have you back whenever you're available and to continue the combo, John Hill, because I think you're such a delight. Anytime. Can't wait to come Amaze. back. Thank, Thank you, you so much, guys. Stay safe and sane. Get vaccinated if you can, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.